Hello and welcome. Come on in. I'm here. Welcome to Medical Revolution in Progress. And let's get behind the scenes today. The subject is something everyone's heard of, everyone fears. I think the most feared thing in the world is speaking in public. And the second most feared thing in the world is a diagnosis of herpes. So I thought I'd talk about that and share some of my experiences over the years with this virus that's been around forever. We'll get into the testing, uh, how to test, what tests are, are worth having, when to get tested for herpes, what it means. We'll talk about the different types of herpes, HSV-1, which is typically oral, and HSV-2, which is the dreaded genital herpes. So I thought I'd start off with a couple of uh, stories, short stories about some patients I've had over the years and how testing when you don't need to or testing when it's done improperly can cause people a whole lot of heartache, a whole lot of shame, a whole lot of guilt, and it's all really quite unnecessary. I remember when I was working in the clinic, I had a young girl who was in a new monogamous relationship. She was, she had never, I should say young woman, she had never um, had, you know, sexual intercourse before. And she and her boyfriend had been going out for quite some time. And she finally decided to this would be the guy, I guess. So she came in to see me. She had very itchy, burning vaginal area. She was in incredible pain. She had felt feverish the past couple of days. And this is another interesting thing. Whenever uh, younger adults come in, and this could be older adults too, but typically it's younger they won't mention that there's something going on in the genital region. They'll describe a lower abdominal, a lower belly pain, um, or just generalized symptoms like body aches, fatigue, fever, but they won't, I've had it happen where they won't specifically state that they have some rash or something on their genitals. You would think that that would be the first thing out of people's mouths when they come in, but surprisingly, no. So that's where it's very important as a clinician that you ask those questions. And if you don't find a reason with the regular exam, like an abdominal exam, that you ask the patient, you know, would it be okay if we do a general exam? Because many times uh, we people avoid doing it to begin with because it's uncomfortable. As a clinician, it's not really uncomfortable. It, not at all. But it's still uncomfortable for the patient sometimes, and especially people who are very modest, um, it, it can be a deal. So you have to be careful. So this young girl did present that way. She came in actually with um, with her mother, even though she was 18. Um, she came in with her mother and was complaining of lower abdominal pain and just sort of all these vague symptoms like fatigue and fever. She didn't know what's going on. So I asked her mother to step out of the room and I asked her, 
some other questions like burning with urination, <clears throat> uh, any vaginal discharge, is she sexually active, those kind of things, and just prodded her a little further to see what was going on. And, and she said, I'm not sure I might have something down there. So that was where I felt like, great, we have to take a look. So when I took a look, she had pretty much classic uh, herpes um, we call them lesions. It sounds much worse than it is, but basically she had a herpetic rash and herpetic rashes are, are very much like, you know, if you've had chicken pox or shingles, which I'll get into a little bit later, but, uh, they're basically like little tiny, tiny fluid filled blisters and they, cl they come in little clusters. They look really, they just, when you see them, you know, like this isn't good type thing. And they're not because even though you can treat them symptomatically, if you have a herpes virus, as everyone's heard the adage, herpes is forever. So, and it's, it's, it's it can be very traumatizing uh, to be diagnosed. Regardless, I don't ever uh, completely give that diagnosis until I test. And we'll talk more about that in a second. So, did an exam, I saw these things, um, and then that's when I found out she had recently been sexually active with this boyfriend, the only boyfriend she's ever had. So this was clearly traumatizing for, for two reasons. One, um, the just the, the potential diagnosis of herpes, and two, the boy that she was with, the young man that she was with, um, gave this to her and this was her first and it was supposedly his first. And so now she's wondering, can I trust this person? What's going on? So what I did was I, I, I took a culture, which is the best way, honestly, if you have active, uh, blisters, lesions from herpes, um, within two to three days, if the person comes in and typically they will, cause they're in a lot of pain, especially for their first episode, you want to do a culture and, you know, at the clinic or hospital or wherever you are, you know, they have these special viral culture kits. And it's really just like this little tiny Q-tip. And, um, you know, you, you find a lesion that's sort of open already and leaking some fluid. And you get some of that and you put it in the tube and you send it off. And they do what's called a PCR, which is a polymerase chain reactive test to check for for the virus and if you have like I said lesions that are new within a couple of days um, and you there there's enough fluid that's coming out or you could even I popped them before but it's not a good idea you can spread it worse so I've only done that once or twice but you just put a little take a, a sterile a needle and just sort of pop the blister very gently, obviously. So you send it out. Then what I told her was, this is presenting as if it's herpes. However, I'm not going to tell you that's what it is until the culture comes back. Because sometimes you can be surprised. And, and that's kind of what happened here. Um, so she was distraught. And she asked me, does this mean, you know, that my partner was with someone else. And I said, well, he could have had this before he's with you. No, he's never been with anyone else either. So either way, there's something there now that she's concerned about in terms of trust. And so, uh, <clears throat> I said, let's wait until we get the, the lab back. And so then, um, 
sent that off. I put her on uh, Valtrex, which is a medicine that people have probably seen advertised, but it does um, make the symptoms go away more quickly and clear up the lesions. When the test came back, the viral culture came back, it was HSV-1. And HSV-1 is not genital herpes. But wait a second, she had it on her genitals, right? Well, that's where this the confusion can come in. And it actually was much better for her. Because it was HSV-1, she spoke with her boyfriend about it, and he had had cold sores in the past. That's what HSV-1 is. When you have a, quote, cold sore, that's herpes type 1. And yes, when you have oral sex, you can transmit especially if it's an active lesion or it's still spreading or shedding, um, you could give this to someone on their genitals. And that's, in fact, what happened. So this was actually more good news for her, even though she ultimately had a diagnosis of HSV or herpes. It was type 1. It was oral. It was from her partner. He hadn't lied to her. The trust wasn't broken. In addition, when you have HSV-1 herpes, that manifests in the genital region, it tends to be a lot less likely to recur. And if it does recur, then it's much uh, less painful and short-lived. So all around, even though she had this diagnosis, it ultimately ended up not being quite as bad as if I saw her, didn't send out the culture, just told her she had herpes too, didn't bother to verify it, and and just told her, well, just deal with the fallout of your relationship. This is something huge to me, and this is something I think any clinician um, should really consider doing when you have these situations with herpes. It's not just a matter of treating the patient's symptom or disease or illness. It's their whole world that you're 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 you need to take all of that into account. If I hadn't done that, or if someone else had seen her and not done that, I hate to think of what would have happened for her. She could have had trust issues the rest of her life. She, it's just a lot of trauma that is and is unnecessary. So that's the first story. Um, have another story of a young woman. Um, she was in her 30s who had come in, and she asked for the full STD panel. This is something that's very common where um, a patient will come in and they'll ask, they want everything checked. Either they're getting into a new relationship, they're contemplating a new relationship, they suspect or know someone cheated on them. There's lots of different reasons for this, but it's a common request. And, you know, when you do these, quote, like um, all the STD checks, okay, you're going to check the serum, which is, you know, the blood, and you're going to do an HIV test. You're going to do a syphilis. You're going to do a hepatitis C. You could do a hepatitis B, although it's pretty much eradicated at this point. Um, And then you ask them if they have any symptoms, and symptoms meaning burning with urination, man or woman, or discharge, vaginal discharge, penile discharge. If they have uh, those symptoms, then you want to take a look at the genital area and examine it for any lesions or, or anything like that. 
Um, women are very notorious for having chlamydia and not having any symptoms. So either way, I would end up screening um, a woman for, you know, and the men for gonorrhea and chlamydia. Most men are going to have symptoms, though. So you, you can do a urine. It's not the most reliable, but if there's no active evidence of an infection, it's just a good way to sort of alleviate any concerns. If a woman's coming in for a pap smear, you know, you could go ahead and do the culture as well. Men, um, I don't do cultures. That's incredibly painful for a man. And I think it's it's really pretty much inhumane unless you have to. You don't want to do a urethral culture on a man. Sticking a Q-tip into a man's penis is, is very painful. So it's really not something that um, you typically do, especially when it's just like a routine screening and they're not symptomatic. Everyone always asks me, well, are you going to check for herpes? And this is where my big, I guess, point of contention is or pet peeve when providers say, oh, sure, we'll do a blood test for herpes. Never, ever do a blood test for herpes if you don't have any symptoms of herpes or you've never had symptoms of herpes. If you suspect that you are with someone who has herpes, um, that's more of a discussion to have and you, you discuss it, but you don't want to just randomly <clears throat> do, um, an antibody test for herpes. The fallout from this can be so traumatic for a patient and can be lifelong. And if you don't take that into consideration, I, it, I think it's so unethical to the point where it could be malpractice. Honestly, I had, so I had this young woman come in and, um, I said, well, no, I, I wouldn't do a, a herpes test unless you have active blisters there or you, you suspect you've had it in the past because you've had painful blisters in the vaginal area. And so then she burst out crying and said, well, I was told I have herpes. I had a routine screen for STDs last year, and the test came back positive for herpes, but I've never had an outbreak. However, because that test came back positive, I ended up not having a relationship with a man I was involved in that that time because I was truthful and I told him my results and he broke up with me. This is the kind of story that breaks my heart and the pain in this woman's face and the shame she felt was completely unnecessary. Number one, if she had gone to a clinician who knows you don't test if someone is asymptomatic, she would have never had the test to begin with. But that part's done and over with. She was tested and it was positive. There was still some saving grace for her, however, only in the sense that, well, do you know which test they did? What antibodies were positive? Well, you know, I asked her more information and she said no. She didn't have the information. She didn't know. So, I told her there's a two-part blood test that I'll typically do um, if if someone is highly concerned, they don't have any symptoms, but it's possible. And so first you do what's called a herpes select ELISA. It's a specific type of test. And you can check for, again, type 1, which is oral, type 2, which is general, but they can go back and forth. Um, it does happen because people have oral sex. And so um, once you get this test back, if it's positive, 
there's still a, a secondary test you can get because there are such a th there are such things as false positives and this is why you don't want to do the test unless you truly believe the person has it so i said and if that test comes back positive we'll still do a secondary test the secondary test is a test that was available in my lab um, and it's it's quite uh, accurate and, and its sensitivity is 99%, meaning if you have it 99% of the time, it will pick it up and there isn't a false negative. That specificity is very low. And so um, the, the second test that you can do as a follow-up or confirmatory test is a herpes simplex um, type 2 inhibition assay. And uh, these are done if someone has a weak positive or you just want to be 100% sure. You can, you can rule out any false positives with this. And so we did the first test. I explained all this to her and we did the first test. And the first test that I did came back negative for herpes. Her blood test didn't even show herpes, the, the one that I did. So when I told her this, she, you know, this was in a fall visit, uh, like a week or two later, she burst into tears. She was not only very happy and relieved, but she had been carrying around all of this shame and this diagnosis of herpes in her mind. And anytime she, she didn't even try to get into a relationship the past year because she was so afraid that if she did start to like someone, then she'd have to tell them this diagnosis and then they would reject her as well. So you can see how it's not funny, but it, it's so frustrating because you can see how if someone is not careful with the way that they order tests or the way that they talk to patients about this, you can you can traumatize this patient, okay, and their loved ones. And so here's a, another story. Um, I had a, a father... Um, put into my schedule towards the end of the day. He was frantic um, because of a herp positive herpes test. And so um, he comes in and the guy is freaking out, totally freaking out um, and just distraught. And he says to me, um, I came in because the nurse, I called up the nurse and she told me that I tested positive for herpes and I'm just really upset and my wife is pregnant and now she thinks she has to have a C-section and I'm really worried. And I don't know if my wife is even going to stay with me. I mean, this guy says this all within like, like 30 seconds of me saying hello. He just like, like totally lets loose. You know, the guy was a nervous wreck. So I said, okay. I said, okay, let, let's just, let's take a breath, take a breath and let me look into this. Already I'm starting to feel irritated, not at him at all. I'm irritated because I'm suspicious that I'm going to find something that tells me this guy doesn't have herpes. So I, um, before I even look in his chart, I just asked him, why did you have this blood test? And he said, his wife is pregnant and she had STD checks and they were all fine. Um, and I said, does she have herpes? And he said, no. And, but her, you know, she was told by a friend, if you have herpes, you have to have a C-section, which is kind of true if you have active lesions. And that's something you discuss with the gynecologist regardless. 
The woman was a nervous wreck. She made him get the testing for everything. He had an HSV-1 and HSV-2 ELISA test done. And he had no symptoms, never had a cold sore, never had blisters on his penis, never had an STD, like nothing, currently asymptomatic. His test came back positive for antibodies to HSV-1, which is oral herpes, which are cold sores, okay? I think something like 70% of the population has antibodies to HSV-1. This is why you don't, it's just not a good idea.